Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Fine Asia, host of the Channel Podcast, and the host of the Source Fine Asia YouTube channel, coming to you live from Jakarta. Uh, just got back from Bali, um, trying to get back into a little bit more of a workflow. Um, obviously, Bali is an island, so it's a little bit more difficult to, to get into a consistent groove, but Jakarta is a city, still on vacation. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be going back to China anytime soon with the whole coronavirus situation. So, See how that plays out. Uh, technically, Chinese New Year is supposed to end next week. And my original plan was I was going to be out uh, of the country till, you know, first or second week, second week of February. Um, but with this virus thing, I might end up spending, you know, a couple of weeks in the Philippines, seeing how the how that process plays out. But that being said, this episode is part two of the year-end decade episode that we did on uh, my favorite music from from 2010 to 2019, um, musicians and artists. The first one we covered, uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kid Cudi, Jay-Z. Um, and in this episode, we're going to be covering more of the uh, Rick Ross, Nas and Damian Mali, Tyler, the Creator. Uh, Childish Gambino, J. Cole, and last but not least, Drizzy Drake. So yeah, this is a little bit of a different uh, sort of episode that we're doing. I, I felt the need to do it just to kind of put a a full stop or, or a period on the decade. But uh, we'll definitely have more China manufacturing related episodes coming up. Um, actually, I think, you know, the next one of the, the next one or two episodes is more about product launch. So stick around for that. Cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. All right, next up, J. Cole, Friday Night Lights. Uh, I hit the weed, I told myself the last time I'll be my last. I don't trust my own niggas, now my mind racing fast. Got my foot up on a gas, got a hundred on a dash. Uh, this album, this is similar to Kendrick Lamar's situation where I was on, you know, that piff, like I'm searching through the blogs and, and I come across uh, J. Cole. And I, I actually discovered him through his previous mixtapes. But when Friday Night Lights came out, I was like, this dude is so talented. Because the growth from his previous mixtapes versus Friday Night Lights was, was, was exponential. And there are songs on that album that to this day, I still listen to. Like, for example, uh, Too Deep for the Intro. Functional. Half of me is comfortable. The other half is Which, close to the cliff. You know, like sampled like Erica Badu. And, and you know, it's just like, again, in a, in a climate back in 2010, 2009, 2010, where everybody was like, well, hip hop is all like dance music and stuff like that. Like to have somebody like J. Cole come across and be so lyrical and smart and conscious and talk about social issues. But at the same time, being you know, make music that is fun to listen to and pick 
good beats and be producing the, the beats himself was 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 a big deal for me so uh too deep for the intro is, is one notable track from that album um another one which for me was like you know crossover blow head explosion was in the morning uh, featuring drake this is this is <laughs> this is uh this is not this is not P, it's not a pg song it's not uh, you know but it's just basically like this is a track for you know, you know, if you if you're trying to get down with with your your lady or your gentleman, uh, it, it's a good it's a good song. Um, but that that was a cool song for me because it was like, at the time, you know, I was a big Drake fan already, and uh, I was getting into J Cole's music, and to have them do a crossover, I was like, oh okay, that's awesome to have you know, these two current favorite artists collaborate. Um, and then I was super excited to see what J Cole is gonna come up with. Uh, J Cole is gonna come up with um, for the for the rest of his career, and I'm not saying that I don't like his current music at all. Like I definitely listen to his his current albums. It's just like that album for me. Like we're talking nine years later, and I still listen to a lot of the songs that are on that. Um, and I guess technically it was a mixtape, but like yeah. What about you? Yeah, it's one of my favorite albums, and again, that's a time when I wasn't as up on music as I have as I am now or was in the past. So my rotation was limited and I remember distinctly of about three different situations where people were just they had it. They were annoyed. They're like, listen dude, you you, you gotta diversify. You gotta stop playing J. Cole twenty four hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> was this like what on the, on the basketball tour? Or what, what? Yeah, well, I remember. <laughs> I remember my daughter's mother said that one time because she's a music head and she's always up on new music. Yep. And she just like it was. A, it was like a little jab during an argument we were having. Like, At least I don't listen to this fucking album every single day. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, usually I don't agree with her argument, but that one kind of stung. <laughs> that one kind of stung. She got me there. And uh, yeah, somebody else too would just be like, you know, you're a lady, bro. So I, 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 I caught some flack for putting that in rotation a little bit more than I should have. I mean, I can't blame you, man. That's that's a that's a classic. That's a classic album. That's quality, um, quality. Yeah, as as I, as I, as I know, get I'm, older, um, you know, the the gangster rap and talking about being cool is less and less intriguing to me and you know listen to somebody like Kendrick or Cole who's introspective and you know has some some social awareness is is much more intriguing yeah and I mean that that's kind of where I was as well uh, at that time it's like I I was you know when Friday Night Lights came out I think I just turned 20 uh, or I was 19 yeah I was 19 um about to turn 20 and it was just like my concerns were more about me as a person and trying to figure out who i was as a man and make friends and and all this stuff was like so the idea of just being like i was like i'm not a gangster i went to private school like what you know like i'm just not like you know what i mean i was just like i just that's not my world but but to hear j cole talk about you know going through high school and, and being in college and you know, the, the insecurities that he was facing and, you know, trying to aspire to be a rapper and meeting Jay-Z for the first time and being shy. And I was like, 
that's that's the stuff that I really was connecting to, you know. So, um, and and part of the reason why I put um, J Cole, Jay Z, and all these guys is like they've also not just then, but J Cole has now become even better than what he was then. Like he's become a better producer of his own music. Uh, he's become a better rapper. Uh, you know, like this, he's grown so much as an artist. So you know, I felt like you know putting him on the, the decades list is important. Um, next up is is a is a big one, is a, a really big one. I, th- I I would say like I would put him as the the person that's grown the most on my entire list as a, as a, as an artist in terms of hip hop and, and and just music in general. Childish Gambino, aka Donald Glover, or Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino. I discovered him through Community. Troy and Abed in the morning. Troy and Abed in the morning. Evil Troy and evil Abed. Troy and Abed in the morning. Troy and Abed song together. Like I was a big fan of Community, the 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 TV show. Like that's how I discovered him, and and um, you know, again being. You know, like at the time, like I had more free time, so I'm watching Community, and then uh, I start like I used to like look into the the people that were in the show and read Wikipedia pages and stuff like that. And then I saw some interview with with Donald Glover, where he's like, "Yeah, actually, I I rap, and I'm about to release a mixtape." And he released one of his early mixtapes, which is like, "I'm I'm I am just a rapper." Uh, one and then I listened to that and I was like and now you know it's more out of curiosity than anything else it's like wait so the dude from Community you'd be telling me Troy from Community is gonna release an album but I guess at that stage Drake had already become famous so I was like okay you're telling me you know Wheelchair Jimmy from Degrassi <laughs> became like the biggest so I was like alright was I'll that give, a show that Troy. you watched coming up in Toronto? I did, yeah. I used to watch Degrassi. That's why Drake was like, it's like, I was like, when Drake, when I, when Drake first, I'm not going to talk about it too much, but when Drake first released his first, um, um, when So Far Gone came out, I was like, what? The dude from Degrassi? Like, I was, I was so against it. <laughs> I was like, do you, I was like, do you have no another show that you could compare that to, like, similar wise? Because I've never seen it and I don't even know what it is. Uh, teen drama. Did you watch? It's a teen you know drama. Boy meets world. Boy yeah. meets world. Boy meets world. Topanga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like that. So it was like Boy Meets World, except a little bit more like PG thirteen. So Boy Meets World was on Disney, so they didn't really, they didn't okay. really dig deep into like let's say drug use or okay, okay, you know, domestic abuse or something like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like okay. Degrassi was basically Boy Meets World, but like. A little more hardcore. Yeah, teenage pregnancy, uh, you know, losing your virginity for the first time. Like, what happens if your best friend is doing drugs? Do you tell his parents or, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. It was always, it was always like a lesson. But yeah, it was basically Boy Meets World, but like that. Okay. Um, So imagine like, you know, not the main character of Boy Meets World, not Corey, but like a secondary or tertiary character. Which was what wheelchair? Which is what Jimmy was. He was like a secondary character. Okay. Imagine that character now starting to rap and then becoming the biggest rapper on the planet. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's, it's like that's kind of funny. That that that's 
that's that's basically what it was. So, anyways, with with um, with Donna Glover, it's like okay, Childish Gambino. So I listened to his first mixtape, and I was like, all right. I was like, all right, you know, he's not like horrible, you know. I was like, you know, the production wasn't the best, but I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a mixtape, like. And then I'm just a rapper. Two came out, and Sunrise. Like, like when I heard it, I was like, "Wow!" Like I was like, "This dude has lyrical ability." Like he picked a track. It was a, it was a song that obviously is somebody else's song, as as mixtapes go. But like he was just like punchlines, witty, funny. The wordplay was very clever, and I was like, "Oh, this guy has like some ability here." And I was like, "Man, like okay, okay," you know. I was like, "All right, like I respect it." And then um, Cul de Sac came out. And uh, there was a track on Call This I Call Call This I Called Do You Like. This was his, his second mixtape came out a year later. His third mixtape, sorry, came out a, a year later. And in Do You Like, he samples uh, Adele. Okay. But then he sings with Adele, and then he raps, and he's an amazing singer. And I'm like, whoa. Wow, man! Like this dude from Community can rap. Does really he produce well, his own music too? Singer. And then he was also producing in his own tracks, and I was like, man, like, this is. So now I'm like, okay, I'm I'm fully on board with Childish Gambino. Like this dude is super talented, um, and I think he even released a, a stand-up comedy special around the same time. So I was like, all right, all right, like this this guy can do everything. Like, um, and then Camp came out. Uh, this was his first. Proper album. Uh, Camp was Camp was uh, 2011, same year as the mixtapes. But this is his first actual album. He produced it himself, uh, self-funded. Um, and there was a lot of tracks of Camp where it's just like the production is amazing, the beat selection was amazing, him singing, his lyrical ability, the storytelling, more elements, more growth as a, as an artist. Bonfire. If you're like a, you know, if you like like hardcore hip hop, just like straight bars, Bonfire was like huge for me. I was like, oh, okay, this like this is that, you know, very lyrical stuff. And then um, uh, that power was more R and B. Pretty much singing the whole song. It's a story about how I learned something. I'm not saying this thing is true or not. I'm just saying it's what I learned. I told you something. It was just for you, and you told everybody. So I learned cut out the middleman, make it all for everybody always. Everybody can't turn around and tell everybody. Everybody already knows. I told them. But this means there isn't a place in my life for you or someone like you. Told a story, and then at the sure. end, he told a personal story about something that happened to him when he was a teenager, and I was like, you know, I just connected to that as well because I was still, even though at this stage in 2011, I had a little bit of swagger. I'm still, still a little bit emo, you know. <laughs> when did you? When did you? When did you get into Childish Gambino? Of course, Childish Gambino has become like I never did. You never did even I now. Never you know, did. like the recent songs. Or, well, it's not that I don't know, like it. I feel just, like summer. I've, I've never given him his proper due. Um, I have. Ne- I didn't even know what Community was until you just mentioned it. Right now, I've never even heard of it. Oh, uh, you'd like Community as a TV show. You, you'd love it. It's 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 hilarious, man. 
All, all I know about him is, you know, what you said, that he's like a multi-talented dude. He gets a lot of respect for being a writer. You watch, you watch Atlanta? I've never watched Atlanta, no. So, but what? I, yeah, I've never gotten Jesus to that show. Jesus Christ, man. So, and I, I've heard his, his mainstream like... stuff that's on, you know, the... This is to America. Feels like summer. This is America. And, you know, this is America, just, yeah. yeah. And, and there was one so that, song back in the day that I used to bang all the time. I feel like it was rolling down 85 or something like that. I, don't, I can't even remember. Yeah. But I honestly, I have no relationship with him and his music. Like I, I got I to gotta send you some, some tracks, man. Like, uh, I mean, I'll get on yo, it. I'm going to have to listen to you talk about it. I'm like, I'm going to check it out. He's... Like it's it's shocking how talented one person can be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you are an amazing comedic writer. He's an amazing storyteller in, in TV. Like like he's an Eddie, amazing actor. Eddie Murphy esque, where it's just like this dude's good at everything. He's good at everything, and then he's a, he's a pretty decent stand-up comic, and I, and I think he'd be much better if he focused on on stand-up comedy. But he's a pretty decent comedian. Um, and then as a rapper, to see the Top growth... Top 10 stand-up shows a, of the decade. We got to do it. All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, as, as a rapper, to see the growth... As a rapper, not even... I didn't even say he's just a rapper. As a musician, to see his growth from that time period. Because what I noticed is like his early stuff, like I'm Just a Rapper 2 and, and Cul-de-Sac, his, his focus was a lot on like, I need to prove that I can rap and I need to have punchlines, wordplay, you know what I mean? Like there was no storytelling. There was no, not much of a concept yeah. with, with the with the songs, uh, which was great. I mean, for me, it was like okay, cool. Like hearing the punch punch lines, I was like, yeah, this is witty. This is cool. But now to see the way he creates his songs now, it's like the concept is so deep and and evocative emotionally. It's like I'm looking at him and just being like, yo, you're you're a genius. Like, like you're you're tapping into like this emotional level in your music and in Atlanta, which is the TV show that he's like critically acclaimed for. He created and he's the main actor and he writes on the show. Um, Atlanta has also been now put into best TV show of the the decade lists and stuff. Um, so to see his growth in all these areas is just is phenomenal. Um, so you, yeah, you definitely have to check check out Childish Gambino, man. Put some put some respect on Childish Gambino's name, please. <laughs> so next, uh, Chris Brown was like a it was a controversial choice, mainly because of his his character and stuff that ha- like obviously the situation that happened with Rihanna, um, the domestic abuse in two thousand and nine, um, and you know. Just other stuff that's happened with him in his in his personal life, but similar to like a Kanye West situation, where it's like I might not, I don't might not agree with some of the the decisions that this person has made, the actions that this person has done in their life, but like his talent is undeniable, and I chose this track, "Beautiful People." I mean, since that time period, like since 2010, since Chris Brown came up, but he's had so many hit songs. Like it's where it's like, even if I don't want to listen to Chris Brown, it's like if I'm out, he's going to be on a song that I hear when I'm out, you know? 
Um, so like his his talent is just it's he's inevitable. It's like he's like he's like he's like Thanos in in Avengers Infinity War. You know, it's like I I am inevitable. So but but beautiful people at the time was like this was a track that me and my friends used to dance to. This just reminds me of like going out in Toronto and you know having a good time. You know break dancing and stuff like that. That was that was uh. It was, it was just like, and it was a very happy song, and it was a very positive, positive song. So, I had to, I had to highlight that. And then the game, the game. I, I was talk. I highlighted the Red album and Born to Rap. Born to Rap is probably the only album on this list that has come out like in 2019. Uh, and uh, part of it is just because, like, man, this is his last album, and I was listening to it, and like, uh, it's probably my favorite album from 2019. Uh, a lot of amazing, amazing tracks. Conceptually, he also dug deep, talking about his his family life and things like that. Some notable songs uh, for people that haven't listened to the album um, would be. Dead homies, which is talking about gang life, talking about people that have passed away in his life, talking about friends. He had another song called Holly the Block, which is basically sort of like, um, you know, Dear John Leather, Dear Brother, uh, talking about their issues that they've had, um, you know, since, since basically the game became famous. Uh, and just and then the game's dad died two years ago, and you know he talked about the issues that happened at the, the funeral. It was like it was very deep. Um, so and then of course that's like he always his production, his beats, his um, you know I just I love his voice as well. I love his like rapping voice. You know I think that's a big part in hip hop as well. It's like if you love the way an artist sounds, that also that also attracts you to to that person. Red yeah. album as well was just like I go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he's a he's an interesting, interesting dude, and um, you know sometimes when you get someone's like public persona and how, how how people portray them online, you don't really understand like their character in depth. Um, I, I found out a lot about him because. He, for a long time, until recently, because a fight happened between the team and he got kicked out of the league, but he was a part of the Drew League in Los Angeles. The Drew League is like an off-season pro-am tournament. It's one of the best, like, um, you know, off-season leagues in all the world. It's pretty famous now. And his team, the game's team, was like a staple in that league for a long time. And uh, a couple of my friends... And the guys that I work with uh, play basketball in China, played with him and and for him for for years. So just hanging out with them, you got a lot of stories about the kind of guy he was. And um, yeah, just I think he's definitely got a more in-depth, like uh, diverse personality than than might be viewable on the surface. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like people like he's a very intelligent guy, man. Like I've heard him in a lot of interviews and 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 
you know, see, and just even listening to his music, it's like you can't produce album after album because every single one of his albums has been, you know, critically acclaimed, even if I haven't listened to them. Um, so I just feel like when you're that talented, like when you're that introspective with your music, when you're that lyrical, there's an intelligence there. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I just think that he, he definitely also plays up the, the gangster image and all that stuff. And of course, the media also runs with certain things, but he, he's, he's way more, he's, he's much more of a deeper individual than people would give him credit for. Um, and then I wanted to highlight the Red Album, which came out in 2011. Um, so as you can see, a lot of my music selection was 2010, 2011. <laughs> that's, that's basically the time when I was really deep into like listening to albums. Um, uh, a notable track from that album is The City with Kendrick Lamar. Uh, and one more I would say is Mama Knows featuring Nelly Furtado. It was a very, very beautiful song. Um, next was uh, Nas and Damien Mali, Distant Relatives. So, man, uh, this album was just a really cool, like, cross collaboration between Damien Mali, which is obviously Bob Mali, one of Bob Mali's sons. Nas, obviously, one of the most famous rappers on the planet. And it was just a really conscious, like, cool, good beats, um, reggae versus meets rap, uh, you know, conscious, smart hip-hop music, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, from top to bottom, this album was just really fantastic. I can't even pick out one song from the album. I, I would say just check it out. Like, it's, it's one of those albums you could just play it and just vibe to it, or you can play it and actually listen to the lyrics and, like, learn something um, or you know even maybe you want to try it and do some activism stuff yourself you know so um, also one of the first times I heard Zambia get shout out, shouted out on a track was on this album by, by <laughs> who? Which track it was. by Nas? it was Nas yeah yeah no no I think it was Damien Mali like he was naming like a bunch of uh, bunch of countries and he mentioned Zambia and I was like oh, oh okay okay we out here we out here <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and Rick Ross Before I talk about Rick Ross, like why you said Rick Ross would not be on your list, like what? What, 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 I mean, what he's up got, with that, bro? I don't know. He's got some catchy tracks. He's that's he, he, <laughs> a respect of the boss. Oh, boss. Just what? His, his whole persona is kind of whack to me. What? The music's he's not the bad. It's boss that we've seen that, thus far. But, I don't know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> You know, he's 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 got he's got good sounds. Oof, and it's his barks and huh? stuff. It's 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 catchy. It's 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 club banger stuff. It's not bad music. Is he is he this. not the biggest boss that we've seen thus far? Is he not? No, no, no I, don't, I don't think so. 
you know, he's just one of those people. He's I don't know him, and I wasn't around him growing up. I don't know what he was like, but he's just one of those people where it's like, oh, this person, he's he's creating this persona. This is obviously a creation. Whereas somebody like J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar, you can just feel that this is who they are. This is their actual life. This is actually who, you know, they're representing themselves very distinctly in their music, and I just feel like. You know, not that anything he, he Ross does sounds bad, but you know he's he's. This is all made up for 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 the for the spectacle. Okay, that being said, um, let's say all of that is 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 true. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue either way, but like, his he's got one of the, the all time best like rapping voices. Yeah, no, his voice, that's what I said. His sound is his sound is good. It's good party. He's on good party tracks. Like it's his, not bad. His I just beat selection. I just you know like almost second to none. Like he just he chooses the most like amazing beats. Uh, and you know his music is fun, man. It's fun. It's fun. Um, I, I I definitely agree. Yeah. But for people who don't and, know, like free, me, Freeway Ricky oh Ross was a real person. And yeah. he was able, you know, he had a huge prison sentence. He was able to learn the law, get himself out of jail. And, you know, yep. he felt like, he, he, is, not he felt like, fucking Rick persona. Ross took his persona. And he, like, he like yeah, yeah. made himself, hey, I'm this guy and I'm, I'm Rick Ross. Well, Rick Ross was actually a real person who got out of jail and was like, Yo, you can't be using my persona anymore. Like, I'm out of jail. I got to make some money. I got to make shit happen. And Rick Ross spent over five million dollars to 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 fight that in court, so he could keep. I mean, I get it. Like, you want to keep the bread, the gravy jam rolling, but like, dude was correctional facility employee of the year in. But are Dave. we talking? Are we talking about? Are we talking about personality, or are we talking about music? Because that for me, I'm, I'm talking about music. I don't care because if that was the case, I would have removed Kanye West from my. <laughs> true, true, true. Well said. Like, well if, said. If we're talking about personality, well said. But no, I'm, the I'm point. The point about. is, like, even with Kanye, even with Kanye, he's you know he's definitely ridiculous at times. But like, there's such like a passion in his music, and he brings that. You know, he 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 confronts that ridiculousness. Whereas, like I've seen Rick Ross in interviews, like like intimidate people and get angry with them if they ask a question about his past. Yeah, but and again, I'm just talking. I'm it's just cool. Talking it's fun music. It's music. fun. It's fun party. I'm just talking music, about for music. Sure. Like, for I, sure. I'm, I'm it's fun, and I, I definitely, I definitely vibe out yeah. to some of his tracks for sure. I'm just not a big and, fan. And and another Ross. another another thing is like I don't. Like I think in recent times he doesn't talk about being a drug lord. Yeah. He talks about his business uh, acumen and ventures, which is true. Because I mean, this dude owns multiple restaurants. He's got a record label. Um, Meek Mill is one of his artists. You know what I mean? Like he's got very successful artists that he's broken. And for me, part of the thing was like when I'm talking about artists and albums of the decade, Rick Cross just like. It's so difficult. To, just think about this for a second. Like, as a hip hop artist, because he doesn't sing, right? Uh, yeah, he I mean, dance. he's been there. He's been there fucking 15 years it's strong, so, man. Maybe 20. Yeah, it's so difficult as a hip hop artist to be at that level 
producing quality music, picking the right beats, always like getting that fucking club banger without singing or dancing or you know doing some hybrid of hip hop and whatever. Like, Rick Cross just raps. Like he just picks amazing beats and raps, and his voice sits so well on the tracks, and he's lyrical. Yep. You know, and um, and I think in in recent times he's also gotten a little bit more introspective with his music as he's, as he's gotten older, and he doesn't talk as much about you know being you know Rick Ross the the, the, the drug boss whatever. He talks more about being like an entrepreneur, which for me again. Talking about the bravado side of hip hop, like if we were talking about my like my ego, if you were to split Rico's ego into two people, like Rick Ross would be like one side of my ego, where it's like I'm always like, yeah, fuck it, I'm the boss, you know what I mean? Like I'm just yeah, I'm killing it. You know, you're like, oh yeah, entrepreneurship, yeah, you know, dude, this is the Gary V side of my brain. And then like, uh, and then like J Cole, Kendrick, sitting Drake. at the penthouse of the Four Seasons, exactly, uh, and then. Uh, J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake would be like the Tim Ferriss side of my brain, which is like Wusa, you know, meditation, be humble, think, of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. So like, I need that. I need Rick Ross, man. Like I need him to talk about being a boss. Um, and then Mastermind, which is uh, one of the more recent albums that he released. Uh, Thug Cry, featuring Lil Wayne. Um, so that's a little bit more of an introspective song. Um, which is like the other side of the cross that I like. And then the last but not least in the hip-hop section is... Well, not last, but second last but not least in the hip-hop section. Tyler, the creator, Goblin, specifically Yonker. I'm a fucking walking paradox. No, I'm not. Threesomes with a fucking triceratops. Reptar. Rapping as I'm mocking deaf rock stars. Wearing synthetic wigs. Yonkers is a song like that. that conceptually, as a, as a music video, was insane. Yonkers itself was like an announcement to the world. And I just love... I love Tyler the Creator's hip hop voice as well. Like he's got this like crazy deep voice. I mean, the whole concept of his album was him being a demon, and uh, how he was like sent to Earth to, you know, basically destroy the world and all that. And me being an Eminem fan as a kid, like, and Tyler the Creator also being heavily influenced by Eminem, uh, it was an obvious thing that I would I would love him as as an artist. So definitely Goblin, Yonkers. And then the last thing before, I guess, we cut off the podcast is I'm going to talk about Drake. But did you have a... Have you, you said you haven't listened that much to the creator. Have you ever heard Yonkers at all? Have you seen the, the video or...? Uh, I don't think so. You should check it out, man. Um, I think um, it's basically just him sitting on a table with a white background and like, He's putting on different costumes and like fucked up shit is going on, and he's just talking. I think, I, I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the media brings up brings up something. It's kind of like a uh, like a harsh kind of steady rap. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is like this is not mainstream hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I've seen that. I think. I, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 
I want I want to talk about Drake and get to talk about Drake for a minute. So I want you to 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 give your perspective on Drake before I jump into this. I mean, he just won Artist of the of the Decade. Uh, you know, you put me on an interview that he did. I mean, it's undeniable. Kind of kind of what we're saying with some of the other guys. He's just one of the best. He's, he's another he's another Thanos. Yeah, for real. It's just one of the best. One of the best. Talent. He he really is inevitable because there are certain people that I know from Toronto who hate Drake, who yeah. at least hated Drake five years ago, who are now like, yeah, you know Drake, uh, you know Toronto. And I'm like, motherfucker, I remember you like saying this dude is the worst thing that ever happened to Toronto. Like, you know what I mean? I remember people saying things like that. And I'm like, okay, now that, you know, this dude is the world's darling, now you're like, oh, yeah, 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 Toronto, of course. Yeah, you can only hate for so long, I suppose. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's, there's right. dozens of tracks that that I've had in heavy rotation for the past 10 years, and most of his stuff's really good. I won't get into the the other stuff that we were talking about. I don't think it's necessary for this conversation. But yeah, dope, 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 dope musician. Yeah, man. So uh, Drake, man, like, where do I even start? Uh, so as I as I mentioned, obviously, uh, I I used to watch Degrassi when I was like ten years old and eleven, and I remember Jimmy on on, on Degrassi and all that stuff, and and uh, you know, then cut to me being seventeen, eighteen, going into my first year of college, and all of a sudden, you know, so far gone drops and best I ever had becomes like a hit in Toronto and like it's on the radio all the time. This is not to get confused. This one's for you. Baby, you my everything. You all I ever wanted. We could do it real big. Bigger than you ever done it. At the time, I didn't even know it was him. And then the music video came out. And much music is basically um, MTV in Canada. So much music had fucking best I ever had on rotation all day, every day. And I already heard it on, on the radio before that. So I was like, then I'm looking at it like, this dude looks familiar. Wait, is that is that Jimmy from Dig? I was like, wait, what? And I was just like, no. Immediately, I just my brain went, Degrassi. No, no, I don't agree with this. I'm just not gonna subscribe to this person. But then um, I think a few months later, the track Forever came out, where it was Drake, uh, Kanye West, Lil Wayne, and Eminem. And him getting a cosign from my three favorite artists at the time, I was like, okay, maybe maybe I should revisit, you know, Drake as an artist. And then I, I listened to So Far Gone, and I listened to his previous albums, and uh, then I, I got on the the gravy train, and I I became a stan at that stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but his first album isn't on my list. His first album came out in two thousand ten. Um, and it, it, I, it, and he's talked about it as well. It was like his least personal album. It was more like, I'm famous now. I can work with all these different producers. So I'm just gonna like work with, you know, just Blaze and uh, Swiss Beats and you know, all, all, no ID and like, not working with the people that created his sound. So it, it, it's one of those albums where at the time it was cool, but like I really don't revisit. A lot of songs from that from that album, maybe one or two tracks. But um, you know, nothing was the same. Is my favorite Drake album that came out in 2013. Started from the bottom, now we're here. 
Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here, nigga. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here, nigga. Started from the bottom, now we here. The reason why is because it's, it's probably his most concise album. It's, I think it's about 14 songs. And nothing was the same as like some, like out of the 13, 14 songs, man, like I think the reason why Drake is my favorite artist is because he transcended hip hop in a different way, like with his first, uh, his first mixtape that became big so far gone um he was just a different artist man like he had a mixture of the bravado the swagger but he also had a mixture of introversion and being vulnerable and sensitive and as i mentioned at the top of the podcast at the time i was a very vulnerable and sensitive person um but at the same time having that bravado mix made sense to me because i was i wasn't just like a vulnerable i was also confident in certain aspects of my life so I really related to that. And then, of course, he's just a talented person. And I could also feel the intelligence in the lyrics and the storytelling in his music and the honesty. Um, so that, uh, and that's been the same throughout, you know, up to, to this day. Um, with Nothing Was The Same, that album, when we're talking about songs like Wu Tang Forever. It's yours, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, that's for sure. That's for sure. How you feel about coming home with a nigga for the night? If you're nervous, hit the lights. I know we only fucking out of spite, cause your man down. Do you right? Do you right? I can fuck you so good, then I hit you with the 9 a.m. and dollars. Who you like, baby? Who you like? She got raps for all my niggas in the back stadium. Wouldn't know why. You know, we Who Time Forever, like this whole album came out in like the winter of 2013. And this is a time period where we were going out, we were like at our. You know, we were, I was like, what was like 22 at the time, 22, 23. Uh, no, I was like 21, 22. And our crew, we were just having a good time. Like everybody was, I mean, I wasn't making that much money, but I had like a job and uh, I, I was pretty confident. I was living in an amazing apartment. My friends were doing well. Rohan's company was picking up. You know, we're all in the same city. We're all going out together. We're all like, hanging out with, you know, nice girls and stuff like that. And it was like also the winter, which in Toronto, like the winter is cold and heartless to a certain extent, but we would get pumped up to that music. And also Drake is the first artist that was able to make Toronto famous and, and shout out the six and give Toronto like an identity on a global stage. So... And then, so beyond that, like that's a, like just me on a personal level. But like this album as well was just you have Wu Tang Forever, as I just mentioned. You have Worst Behavior, which is you know people still talk about being on the Worst Behavior. 
um, the Tuscan Leather, which is just like one of the you know classic intros to the album. You have too much with Sampha. You have pound cake. A track that I still listen to to this day with Jay Z. Um, come through. Um, hold on, we're going home, which is a classic like wedding track. Like I mean, you know, the, the entire album is just full of hits um, that people still listen to to this day. So, you know, um, yeah. So the the good thing about Drake is like, I mean, you know, you're not looking at the dude like this dude is, uh, you know, super Superman. But like, at the end of the day, uh, he'd been like, he'd been on a super crazy win streak. Because I mean, Meek Mill tried to try to expose him as oh, you don't write your own raps or whatever. And it's like the world just went like, uh, yeah, we don't care, man. Like he's still he's still like you know a favorite artist, and you know he'd just been even bigger at that stage. So I think him taking that loss at that time, that the, the taking the L, was interesting because on one hand, I didn't, I personally didn't like it, of course, like. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I think this is a healthy thing for him to go through um, to sort of humble himself and see if he can come back from it. And of course, Scorpion came out and broke all the streaming records. Uh, and, you know, he won a Grammy and, like, you know, you know, most streamed artist of the decade and all this stuff. So, like, uh, you know, obviously he won. Um um, at the same, at the, another aspect is like with Drake specifically, like you know the vulnerability, the things that I mentioned before, um, is a big part of the reason why I like him. And then the mixture of the bravado, and and as Mike said, he's a student of hip hop. And if you look at the albums, this is, I couldn't. That's why I couldn't even pick necessarily like one album. Like I mean, we're talking about if you're reading, this is too late. Nothing was the same. Uh, one of the you know the parts of the track is like running through the six with my woes, which is, you know, running through the six woes means like buddies woadies and like running through the six with my buddies like that's what we were doing. We were running through the six. I was running through the six with my woes. Yeah. I was running through the six with my woes. You know how that shit go. Uh, Take Care, which a lot of people say is like his best album. He's made like specific albums that were more hip hop leaning. Um, he's made albums that were mix. He's made albums that were more R and B leaning. But the diversity is crazy. Like even like a, an album like More Life, which was technically he said it was a playlist, but it was, it was basically an album. He had. Artists from all over the world. He had, you know, Afrobeats. He had hip hop, UK, uh, grime music. He had r- reggae, like reggaeton, you know, uh, Caribbean influenced. Yeah, so like you know, he, he's had so much, so much diversity, even like more life and all that. And and you know, the the, the thing is like, people. He's brought up a lot of other 
types of music and and embraced it and adapted to it and been able to do it really well. I know a lot of people have said that he's doing uh, cultural appropriation, but that goes back to the interview that he just did that was released on on the unboxing day the day after Christmas. And he was like, no, he always pays homage to the people that created that music, the godfathers of that music or the the, the gatekeepers. He always works with them first um, before he starts to make that kind of music. And if you're talking specifically about the Caribbean influence in his music, I mean, that's that's Toronto, man. Like, Toronto is, like, if hip-hop culture or, you know, black culture in Toronto is, like, heavily influenced by the Caribbean. Like, the vast majority of um, hip-hop people or, you know, like, the vast majority of of the underground hip-hop culture is from the Caribbean in, in Toronto. Um so people speak like that, like they they sound, and then of course the same thing in in the UK, uh, the vast majority of like the grime music, the, the 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 slang and all that stuff is Caribbean patois influenced. So there's a similarity, there's a crossover there in the way uh, hip hop culture in Toronto speaks, and you know UK uh, speaks, and that's you know Drake is just basically bringing those two cultures together so it's not cultural appropriation you, you know you grew up around that stuff like so you know like I just I've loved seeing him grow as an artist I've loved seeing him be able to jump into these different industries and be successful in so many different facets uh, and then I've also loved seeing you know it, it, it not just from the the music side of things but I've loved seeing him talk about his his um, his experiences in in the music industry and articulate himself and, you know, doing things like SNL, hosting, like, the SPs, all that stuff. And just, man, like, at the end of the day, it's like, think about this. Hip-hop is the number one genre on the planet right now, right? Historically, most of the best hip-hop artists, the dudes that were number one chart-toppers, only lasted two to three years. Like, 90% of hip-hop artists that hit the number one charts lasted two to three years. Up, and then there's outliers like Jay-Z and uh, maybe like a Nas who's still been around, but like, from a mainstream perspective, like, all of the... And, and Eminem is probably another outlier um, and, and the game. Uh... But like, yeah, two to three years is usually the situation. Drake has been the number one artist for 10 years straight. Like, it's unprecedented. Not just the number one artist in hip-hop, but he's also become the number one artist in music around the world. So, you know, I respect that a lot. And, uh, you know, I love I love his music. I love all the stuff that he does. Um and yeah, man, like, uh, so, you know, nothing was the same. Notable album. If you're reading this, it's too late. If you're talking about some straight hip-hop stuff, like, that's a, that's a notable album. Um, on If You're Reading This Is Too Late, uh, certain tracks that I would recommend would be uh, Six Gods, You and the Six, 
6 p.m. in New York. And I go talking about more life. Free smoke. Sacrifices. Can't have everything. I'm talking about take care, then. Um, Marvin's room. Lord knows. The ride. And a few other honorable mentions. Um, Summer 16. Uh, obviously, God's Plan. 5 a.m. in Toronto. 4 p.m. in Calabasas. In my feelings. And last but not least, back to back. All right, so yeah, this, I know it's a long, long ass podcast, but yeah, that that is my top artist of the decade from the hip hop pop perspective. We'll be back with uh, top artists albums from the decade um, from an alternative and house perspective soon. If you're gonna reach out to us. That's podcast at sourcefinasia.com check out the show notes that's show notes that's sourcefinasia.com slash made in china uh, check out the YouTube channel sourcefinasia on YouTube and don't forget to drop us a five star reviews on iTunes subscribe to the podcast uh, we release it every Thursday cheers and happy 2020 everybody. I don't want to die for them to miss me yes I see the things that they wish you know me I got some brothers that outlive me They gon' tell the story, shit was different with me God's plan, God's plan I hold back, sometimes I won't, yeah. I feel good, sometimes I don't, hey, yeah. I finesse down Western Road, hey, next Might go down to G-O-D, yeah, wait yeah. I go hard on Southside G, yeah, wait yeah. I make sure that Northside E Still, bad things. It's a lot of bad things that they wish and they wish and they wish and they wish and they wish on me.